0: Dear Church Podcast Well, good morning, gentlemen. How's everybody doing today? Awesome. Fine. as a frog hair split four ways. Yeah, I think we are. I think we're live here. And this is uh, for for a national podcast. We're struggling here. But I think we're good. (laughs) Yeah, we're live. Good.
1: What are are you drinking, that's all?
2: Uh, I'm drinking Dublin afternoon tea. Good man. Good man. Thank you, thank you, Martin. It's not are you Proud of him. Proud of him for drinking tea. Pride just sin proud. but he's he's pleased. He's not proud.
0: Pride just you sin. know. We had one of those guys come preach at our church, and uh, pride just I said, oh, I'm proud of you for saying that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we <laughs> this is our first of our second season. This is our first uh, DCP live, and one of the reasons we help we hold this is to give um, give those who listen. Uh, opportunities to interact. And we know that not everybody can uh, not everybody can be live with us. We understand that. But as you watch this and listen to it, it will be uploaded tomorrow. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, this is an opportunity after ha- having dropped four episodes this season already, uh, simply to come in and talk about the season so far, get some interaction with our listeners and maybe relay some of the feedback just so people know that uh, we, we constantly receive feedback and mm-hmm. we welcome that, uh, both mm-hmm. positive, negative, or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we like to engage with it. Um, it's what makes us a national podcast. So I'm sorry. So we are, uh, I thought we were global. <laughs> we're going to start this uh, podcast today, talk galactic, a little bit about, talk a little podcast. bit about the weekend. And uh, this is uh, February 21st. Did I get the day right. Man, I'm telling you what it is Monday all day. Yeah, February 21st. And we've all had uh, good weekends, and we praise the Lord for that. Who wants to start us off telling us a little bit of what God did in your church this past Sunday?
2: Pastor Wickens does. I can just see it in his countenance. Or is that Sheffy's countenance? I get confused there. Oh,
0: yeah. Should we talk about Sheffy?
3: It's, yeah, he's got a background with Sheffy back there. They look like twins. It
2: he's, looks like
1: Sheffy is very puzzled about what whatever Brother Wickens is going to talk about. That's what it looks like to me. He, he's you guys Go ahead. I can awesome. <laughs> He's looking at me, and he's like, man, what is he going to say next? He's so full of wisdom.
3: Speaking of twins, I went into Starbucks, which was in a price-cutter grocery store yesterday in Republic, Missouri, which is right in, out on the outskirts of Springfield. And the two girls working back there were probably in their teens. And they're like, you look like a news reporter. You sound like a news reporter. I said, I'm not. I'm a preacher. They said, well, you look like a lawyer. And then as I'm waiting, I said, you know, I do have some people tell me that I look like Anderson Cooper. And they both looked at me like I was out of my mind. But
0: Like you just so, made it awkward. <laughs> yeah,
3: I did. I took it to the awkward level. I so have Pastor, what spiritual gifts? <clears throat> what was your
2: weekend like, what you? on, there to you know, I had a
1: good good weekend. It was a a, a normal weekend. There were no uh, big events or anything, but um, good time of fellowship with uh, people in the church, and we we enjoyed some good good singing last night. We had some requests mm-hmm. from the congregation. It was oh, yes. uh, a special blessing when my daughter, who's ten years old asked for a hymn that nobody knew. And our song leader is amazing. He's, he's a blessing. And so he just went with it. He was like, all right, let's play a verse and then give it a go. Um, and she'd heard it in her school. Um, and yeah, but nobody in the church knew it, but that was a lot of fun. So we, we had a good time. Amen. Amen. Have you ever,
3: uh, discovered a hymn that a lot of people know and you don't know? Like when I came to Springfield, Missouri, There were certain hymns in the All American Hymn Book that I had never heard. I think that's um, regional.
2: You go to a a different region of the country. Yeah, yeah. I just we just sang.
3: We just sang the Bible stands in our church, and somebody was like, "I've never heard that before." That's been in church their whole lives. It's one of my favorite hymns.
1: When I went from the south of England to Northern Ireland, there was kind of you know the standard hymns that people sang, but then there was a new kind of repertoire there. And then we went to Northern England and it changed a little bit there. And um, coming up here, there's been one or two that have been new to us. So it's, it's been uh, an education. You've been around.
2: (laughs) Brother Russ, how was
1: your weekend?
0: It was a good weekend. Um, We've experienced increase in attendance over the last few weeks. I think people coming back from COVID people, you know, feeling more comfortable being out and about, and that's good. Um, the weather was much better yesterday. We're we're the wimps down here in the uh, in the Midwest, you know, Southern Indiana, where a little bit of snow kind of kind of messes us up a little bit. But but it was a good day. Had a lot of liberty um, in certain aspects of ministering. Um, I'm always amazed. I know we're going to talk about this later, but I'll mention it now. I'm always amazed at the number of people who come out and volunteer and um, make things happen. You know, when I was an assistant pastor, that's what I love to do. I'd love to be behind the scenes. I'd be, I'd walk the whole facility and try to make sure that everybody was squared away, you know, knew th- that they had what they needed, in other words, uh, to be able to succeed. And now I'm, I'm stuck on the platform. So a little bit of a control freak, but in recent days, God's <laughs> helped me with that. And uh, little bit. I, I just, yeah. Hey, easy now, Martin. You just um, gave
3: ammo to every disgruntled church member you're ever going to have in the future. So Steve, Sh- you, Jeffy you, you, told you me know why it. you
0: laughed. Steve, you know why you laughed. Anyway, Uh, so there was this, uh, there was yesterday, there was a lot going on. Um, we had, we had all kinds of things going on and it just, and it was a blessing to see it all go smoothly and people serving with joy. And, you know, I I felt like it was one of those days yesterday that God was working, uh, and the devil was working and, um, it was, uh, it was ministry. So really good weekend.
2: Amen. Mr. will next, because I want to save of oh, Budnick for last. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I the want tone. you to have the biggest platform. So we had a really, really good weekend here. Um, good number out. So when in packed house in the morning, uh, yeah. good crowd in the evening. Uh, we had a missionary, one of the missionaries we support um, with us yesterday all day. And it was a pleasure for me to meet him and his family. And uh, last night in the evening service, we do like you, the Wiccans, where we we let folks um. Uh, uh, we asked folks to vol- to suggest what song they want to sing, and somebody last night suggested a song I haven't sung since I was a bus captain, mm. which is Somebody Touched Me, which is you roll through the days of the week, and then whatever day you got mm. saved, you get excited about it, and we just had just a wonderful time. I haven't done that one in a long time, but it was just a great service, um, just oh, wow. great services yesterday, and then this morning, my newest book came out. I don't want to dwell on that, but I'm excited about it, and uh, we'll talk about that perhaps in some future podcasts.
0: No, let's talk about it now. Tell us about it now, Tom. <laughs> yeah, Tom. It's yeah, about, I see Sheffy's face on Martin. That's He's right, trying yeah. to
3: <laughs> It's just no working. I haven't opened my envelope yet. Let's let's do that
2: on the air. Oh, unbox it. What? I sent you a different book. I sent you the health coach book. <laughs> yeah, wow, he, he put 100 books in it. Look at that.
3: There it is. That's there awesome. I'm excited to read that. Tell us what it's nice about, cover, though. Seriously, Tom. Tom
2: so it, it's about um, how a pastor and the church can work through the process of, of changing pastorates. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, pastors, most pastors change pastorates at some point in their ministry. It, it's a complicated thing. There's nowhere to go to get any wisdom on it in the sense of there's some books about it, but they are books written for bigger churches or interdenominational churches. There's no independent Baptist book about it. Mm-hmm. So it's about how to think through that process as a pastor. If you're going to go, if you're going to stay. Uh, if you decide to go, where are you going to go next? Um, how do you decide that? How do you look for that? How do you prepare your church for that? And then it's also, it's got probably a half a dozen chapters specifically for churches that are looking for information about how to help find a pastor dealing with mistakes they make or things they can do to help them find a pastor, very specific instructions for public committees, um, nothing that you should take entire or complete, but just a whole lot of, of practical suggestions. It's a very practical book. It's not a doctrinal book. It's not a exploration of some topic or, or or theme it's just a practical book about here's a whole lot of ideas about how to go about this in a way that will that will um, be a wise way to do it and so you're talking about the that? slowest
3: moving creature on earth the pulpit committee <laughs>
2: uh, I do <laughs> talk <laughs> about that in the book. tell us uh, I tell, tell you
3: man they... when I was with, no, I was without a pastorate and praying about God's leadership pulpit committees like uh, they uh, they move slow. But you can't Plus be frustrated hearts. with them. They're doing the best no, they can. I
0: know. So, Tom, Tom, tell us where where people can get the book because I I have a feeling that people are going to be really interested in in seeing this. Uh, book Amazon and,
2: is the the simplest okay. place to get is Amazon. Um, it's in paperback or or Kindle. It's on Nook. It's on iTunes. Um, so all of those places you can get it.
0: Before we move to Mister Brudnick, and I know you've got a you 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 had a great week. Um, I want to yeah, say man. thank you. I want to say thank you to the folks who are right now tuning in on Facebook, and that's where this is going live. Um, and people are commenting. Ricky Owens commented. Adam Miller, Josh Looper, Pastor Chamberlain, Peter Chamberlain. Joey Pearson says, Martin's background is real. I have older men in my church stare at me just like that when I'm preaching. He doesn't know that's chefy but uh, that's cool. Devon Ortiz. <laughs> I know Devon. Thanks for listening, man. And we're watching. Um, and uh, yeah, a few few other questions we already answered. That's good. I want to ask our Facebook Uh, audience right now to share this podcast and get the word out while we're doing it live if you would consider doing that uh, we would appreciate that maybe maybe not everybody feel comfortable doing that but uh to share it while it's live would certainly help we're going to talk today about obviously weekend updates which we're getting to steve on that and also some feedback on prior episodes and then we have a topic that we're going to get into so if that helps you kind of know where we're headed today steve why don't you tell us about your weekend
3: Yeah, we had an awesome weekend. It is a pretty big highlight of our retreat. Of course, we have Living United Marriage Ministry, which if you're watching, I got even my shirt on representing logo there. But we have um, we had five hundred and twenty couples come down to Branson, Missouri and run two different. We did two different retreats, one that starts Thursday and Friday, one that starts Friday and Saturday and uh, helping people with their marriages. And our church just does so awesome. And this year, more than any other, uh, we were set up sooner than we've ever been. We were tore. We, we teared everything down, packed up quicker than we'd ever had. Um, our main speaker was Pastor Wayne Van Gelderen, which, boy, he is such a man of God and challenges mm-hmm. me and loves the Lord and um, is just I, I haven't got a whole lot of time to sit in personal time. I mean, we've had some opportunity with that. But I uh, had a lot more of it. And my wife and I just thoroughly enjoyed our time with he and his wife. And then that was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And as a church, just uh, just going into Sunday, then Pastor Van Gelder was still with us. And um, at least for the morning service, he was. And we had a great service about prayer and abiding in Christ. And our church has really taken some steps in prayer. It's just been awesome. And then Sunday night was even better. I don't know. I don't know how it can even get better. And um, boy, it was good. And I'm thankful for everyone that came. In fact, shout out to Joshua Looper there, one of our listeners, at least watching us now. He came to the retreat and um, Brother Russ, my true friends that are within the circumference come to the retreat. So <laughs> although you are, I- I'll give you an out. You are a little a little far. It's not like I came to your youth conference. No, I'm I'm kidding. I you can't really start playing that game because then it's just ridiculous. <laughs> but but, you know, <laughs> sorry. Oh, that's okay. I'm sure make it awkward, but that is one of my spiritual gifts.
2: Brother Buddenk, what was your favorite thing about the retreat?
3: My favorite thing about the retreat was this thought that came through my mind. And I wrote a note during my to my wife. Like we had just finished having the intro part of the service and Brother Van Geldern's up there. And I just wrote this little note to my wife. I said, we get to do this together. yeah, And it's so much fun. And I told my church that it's not just my wife and I, but just the whole church. We get to do this together. It's so awesome serving the Lord. You know, when I was away from God as a teenager, I thought I was having fun. But man, mm-hmm. there was just regret and guilt, and it was just miserable. But man, when you serve Jesus, it is awesome. It really mm-hmm. is. It's awesome. Amen. Amen.
0: We want to jump into some feedback from prior episodes. So this is technically our fifth episode uh, we've put out four.
1: Well, one of th- th- there may be something we need to address before we get onto something else. Go ahead, Martin. We- we've had a question regarding the Beatles in uh, Steve Brodnack's background. Do we need oh, no. to? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we need to establish what that's all about. Yeah, should I pull that down?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that needs an explanation. I think <laughs> uh, it needs pulled down. <laughs> is what it what it needs?
3: Yeah, that's uh,
0: that's quite a work, isn't it? <laughs> Anyway,
3: all right. Who's going to explain that, Martin? <laughs> well,
1: yeah, you're I English, right? the the. Uh, I, I, I remember <laughs> making it. I don't remember the origins of it. Somebody else gave me the idea.
3: Yeah, I don't know where you post that, but yeah. I like the fact that I'm the only one in a suit. So that makes Who sense. Who is it that's I'm not, not
0: wearing shoes? You. Oh, okay. All right. And you have I'm a not, cigarette in your hand. You act like I'm some kind of hillbilly. Good grief. No, that, that's a pen. all. It's a pen. Okay. (laughs) Sure. That that picture was taken on. That picture was definitely taken on Monday morning. If if I've got a cigarette on my in my hand. Yeah, this is when it's better to watch than listen. But yeah, there you go. Okay. Episode feedback. Five. This is our fifth episode. Four episodes have already been uploaded. Um, Good response in general. One of those episodes is a lightning round, and the you know feedback tends to be varied on that. Uh, It's it's a little bit different. So. I think we kind of want to focus on the other three a little bit more, and Tom, you usually handle this part, so why don't you, uh, why don't you take it away
2: for us? I do, and usually I have elaborate preparation, pages and pages of information printed out that nobody pays any attention to. <laughs> um, I did not do this this, this uh, on this occasion because I'm resentful against the fact you guys have ignored all my work in previous episodes. Ooh, snow burn. Um, I'm just going to say, <laughs> although first, resentful, I, I can see the first episode was soul Liberty and I took the sole Liberty to not do all that preparation, but <laughs> I, I do think that episode, there was some, uh, to, to me, the feedback that came back from that, we had a lot that was appreciative that we tackled as, as, as a subject. Um, a lot of folks that appreciated, um, that even though we, we had a minimal amount of time to cover it, that we, we were largely accurate. I do think there was some on the negative side that seemed to think that we were conflating soul liberty with individual soul liberty, with Christian liberty, with, you know, and, and some of our illustrations and some of that. And I do think there's some crossover to that. Um, mm-hmm. I think they relate to mm-hmm. each other. I don't think they're the same. What do you guys think? I think
0: they relate to each other, but they're not the same.
2: You just repeat everything I just said.
0: Copying it steal endlessly. That's, that's what we do. No, <laughs> I, I, I do. I mean, it's all about. In a sense, they are. As a matter of fact, I preached through Baptist distinctives in our church not too long ago, and that was, that was actually one of the things that I brought up in that. I said, you know, you, you may see that there's some similarities there. I think it'd be easy for the average person to, to see the similarities and to need to study out where, where those differences really lie. So, um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that, that maybe we got a little bit of that. I don't, I don't see that as a criticism per se, um, just kind of uh, a little pushback. bit of a pushback, yeah, which is yeah. fine.
2: Absolutely.
3: I think there is a distinction in the we have the liberty in Christ that gives us freedom from sin. And then I think we need to give liberty to others to differ from us. And I think there is a distinction there. In other words, I think when I'm giving liberty to other people, I'm letting them be wrong. And again, I Mm -hmm. get flack for this because I believe everything I have should be based on the word of God and a conviction from God and should be black and white. And then I should give liberty to other people. And, you know, the flack I get is you can't say that's Bible because then you're forcing your biblical on every, you know, and no, I'm applying it to my life and I'm I'm standing before God and I have a black and white line with God on music, on dress, on fill in the line on all those hot button issues But I give a lot of liberty to the people around me to let them have a different spot. But that doesn't minimize the fact that I believe where I stand is biblical. And I'm not going around wagging my fingers saying you're unbiblical, but I need, I got to
0: challenge them. And I think we should want to be challenged. Well, one of the things that we got, I think, got a lot of feedback and pushback on was when people took the, and certain people, and not a criticism when I say that, but they took the idea of soul liberty to the, the degree of church standards, group standards. Um, there was a lot of discussion of, of that on Twitter as it related to our podcast. And one of the things that's, that someone asked was something to the, the, um, the degree of, you know, well, at what, you know, where do we see in, Bible, in the Bible where the church had any restrictions or rules or guidelines placed on it in order for service? Um, you know, I would imagine all of us have guidelines for service. I would imagine all of us have, you know, a specific dress code if you're going to sing in the choir or special music. And that's, we did get a little pushback from that. I thought it might be good to talk a little bit about,
2: about where. My response to that was, was to point to the the pastoral epistles where there's qualifications mm -hmm. for deacons and pastors. Right. And I think their response to that, if I remember right, was that's just deacons and pastors. But I think the implication there is that if you're going to serve, there are things that are required of you. Right. And that is natural and normal in a church. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just, and it required to stewards
0: time. that a man be found faithful and that can be applied. That's Steve. That's where you get to the personal application of
1: it. You know, and a pastor yeah. mm-hmm. has to do that. Yeah. So, And I think it has to be clear that, you know, I mean, you mentioned maybe like guidelines for a choir, you know, that's not setting it up as a standard for every Christian. Mm-hmm. It's just saying, Hey, if you want right. to serve in this capacity, this is what we would like, you know, this is what we are asking. But we got, we got pushback that said that, that we
0: don't, as pastors, we shouldn't
2: do that. And that's where I disagree. Right. That's a wrong idea of soul liberty. You have the right. soul mm-hmm. liberty. Every Christian has soul liberty. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to sing in the choir. You don't have to come to my church, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm not unbiblical because my concept of understanding what a pastor is as a bishop, as an administrator, as an overseer. And I, I extrapolate out what I think are reasonable expectations for different areas of ministry that doesn't violate your soul liberty or right. your Christian liberty. I don't think.
0: No. And that's, that's the reality is I was just reading this and I'm trying to I'm racking my brain right now, trying to think of where I saw this this past week as it relates to liberty in the Bible. Is that liberty comes with restrictions? Well, Romans six would be one. I mean, grace. Well, Psalm one nineteen: "I will walk absolutely. at liberty for I seek thy precepts." <laughs> That's right. And so there, the, it's liberty is not licensed to do anything, you know. And so we have, we do have, I think, an obligation to, as Tom said, be overseers. And so you know, we we've even gone so far as to say to our choir, to our volunteer workforce, we've even gone so far as to put it in print that we understand that you know, a dress code of a specific and a specific attire um, is not universally uh, required of all people. It's just simply that when we come here and sing in this, this is what's been set up for unity. Uh, We have people in our church who come to our church and sing in the choir who um, they don't, they don't personally hold to the same standards that maybe I do or someone else does. But I remember once very, very wise lady in our church saying, you know, this has more to do with, with unity than it does Liberty. And I went, I mean this is just a church member who said that and I went wow that was that was profound. So on that issue that was somewhat of the um of the feedback we got and then the next episode Tom what was that all about? Conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah. I wish and, I could uh,
3: hum the 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 tune of
2: X-Files right now but We don't care if you hum, just don't blow whistles. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually. For the I've never
3: I've never watched <laughs> X-Files for the record, so <laughs>
2: i used to listen to x minus one when i was a kid um mm-hmm. to watch uh, it's an it's a radio show radio is this old thing that had people you had tv when to. i was born so i didn't listen to radio we're, we're being but was old it in here color neck. <laughs> no we um, didn't have a color tv so conspiracy I was theories teens. i thought i thought we would actually get more reaction to that um yeah. i thought we would get people come out of the woodwork about it but right. i guess we were just so correct we didn't uh
3: yeah well that was because okay. facebook throttled it
2: down oh that was the no truth. kidding or we had yeah. no it wasn't facebook no was, we did have it was our a new recording issues on that episode our new recording yeah. platform that was horrendous yeah. it was like demonic attacks in four different so places in america at the same time for reference. like when we shut down facebook that one time right, right, right
0: yeah for for reference we use a new program we all re, we record all of our podcasts virtually now the first season we came together we did them all together. Well, that just couldn't happen this time. And Martin, woo-hoo. yeah, Martin, COVID. So oh for me. That's all right. I can take it. Uh So there was, uh, there was this this program, and and I mean it had been working fantastic. Uh, it's it's really helped us. It's streamlined our process quite a bit man that thing crashed people's audio was off it was terrible i had to do so much editing on that did i mention that i had to do so much editing on that uh to make you, it you had uh, to do the editing on that i did i had to do all the editing on that you uh in order to, that's uh, me doing all the editing on that so there was this <laughs> there was this kind of like weirdness to it as we're recording it we're all like yeah. what yeah. is going on um but we you're right we didn't get a ton of feedback one way or the other um probably, probably because it's, it's so clear w- how to handle it. And also we, we provided for Liberty and that as well. There was one uh, feedback and I go ahead. I don't know, you go ahead rush. You may
1: have been heading there.
0: Yeah. There, there was one who got on, on Twitter and I, I again, we welcome all the feedback. And so even in this one, uh, but uh, a gentleman on Twitter said, you know, I'm surprised that the King James only issue didn't come up because you all are all King James only. And, and he, he considered that to be a conspiracy and uh i said well that's we probably didn't bring it up because we all use the king james only (laughs) it's
2: not a conspiracy we all know it's a cult come on get words that's okay
1: okay well i think there was um there was a little bit of frustration um that parts of the podcast conflated like bigfoot and loch ness with you know genuine things that go on in the world and i think that's something we tried not to do to like Mm -hmm. be critical of people who are suspicious of certain things um and you know that i I don't think that was our intent you know we do recognize there's a difference between the loch ness monster and you know moon landings and whatever else so in elections brother uh, brother russ
3: are you trying to get attention of your uh, donald Mm. trump mug there Uh, yeah i'm sorry speaking of conflating you know bigfoot and chupacabra no (laughs) <laughs> we we had that. our mutual friend that we mentioned <laughs> on there. Our mutual friend that shall remain nameless. I don't know if he would even mind if we mentioned his name, though. He came at me hard about that. About I just want to um, know. I just want to know if you can. I just want to um, know if you
2: can spell chupacabra. <laughs> don't get Podcast. Don't get into my spelling, <laughs> okay. please. It's so embarrassing.
0: Then, so that was. The of course, he can we're starting to get into territory here we need to avoid very hey, quickly did I never tell you guys
3: my story about spelling once i was yes you illustrating right. being a lions fan yeah you did so i said imagine being there did i tell this story
2: yeah several times we know it by yeah. heart So do all of yeah. our listeners
3: no they don't you guys are making that up
2: <laughs> well you don't remember, Anyway, so, so i so start <laughs> spelling
3: lions <laughs> in a sermon and i suppose spelled, spelled loins oh yeah
2: <laughs> if you want to talk about dumb stuff we've said in sermons i've pulled yeah. some i mean i've been preaching a long get, time Let's get to the episode.
0: Let's get to the episode. Everybody wants to hear us talk about because the most feedback that we've received, I think of any episode, maybe. No, I think pragmatism was more than that. Yeah, but the most focused feedback. Focused as in vehement? As as directed toward one of us. That would be me. Was the episode we did on missions and along the way. Tom mentioned that his personal philosophy of missions is to get to know the missionaries for several years before he ever supported them. Now that led to a lot of um, missionaries who have been on deputation, who in their early twenties went on deputation, who are still on deputation contacting the three of us uh, who remain and just saying, (laughs) what is he saying? So we thought we'd take a little time for Tom to be able to, you know, either, double down or clear the air, whatever he wants to do.
2: Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said. Great. (laughs) Great. (laughs) To be great is to be misunderstood. Um, It's the only sign of greatness I have. I cling to it desperately. Um, Hmm. It's not that I only add veteran missionaries. In fact, in March, we'll add a missionary who hasn't been to the field yet. Um, He's on deputation. We were his last meeting, his 180th meeting for, for deputation. It's, and it's not that one of the things that someone said to me, and I love the guy, I'm not perturbed with it. I'm not perturbed with anybody who pushes back on me. I value that. And I'm not just saying that because it makes me think carefully. It's really helped me in my life. But one of the, one of the specific things came back is that I was being too safe. I use the word investment and I was being too safe with the Lord's money. Investment is not just about money. Investment is about emotional capital it's about relationships. I view, I view a missionary relationship as a partnership. I believe that very, very strongly. And just like I would not enter into any serious long-term relationship without, without knowing that individual well, and feeling really comfortable about it, whether it's marriage or whether it's, I I think of choosing a deacon in a church. I think of, um, you know, those sorts of things that the podcast, the, the four of us are doing, um i i I'm not going to enter into any relationship with someone that I'm committing myself to do something unless I feel really comfortable with them and add to that i'm I'm bringing my church alongside of that and bringing them trying to build their relationship with that missionary and to take ownership of it. We really 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 don't want to just send checks here we really want to be partners with our missionaries mm. and that requires lots of communication requires lots of of money and time and prayer and and paying attention and knowing what's going on and all of that. And so if I'm going to bring someone into that, I need to feel really comfortable with who they are and where they're at and where they're going in lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I was trying to communicate. I'm not saying everybody needs to do it like I do.
0: Well, that um, was, that was what I was going to say. And I was just going to ask you, should everyone do it that way? And, and I, when I heard your position, Martin, didn't you push back a little on that on the podcast?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. If I didn't, I intended to. But yeah. I, I understand. We're also fearful I'm, of Tom. I understand if you didn't, but that's okay. Well, I'm, just, I'm hoping did, if, if, I, if right. I get once my beard is big enough, if I'm going to feel brave enough. <laughs> but no, I, I agree in principle. I think First Timothy three six talks about um, you know not not lifting not bringing in, in a novice, mm-hmm. and so like Tom said, or uh, well, if I understood correctly, it's not a matter of whether or not they've been to the field, but are they ready? And are right. they prepared to do the work? Um, but I think I would take what I would say, of course, is a balanced approach. You you maybe take a risk on some young people, and some of them may get to the field, some of them may not. Some may get there, and then after a year, come back, and that's discouraging. And it's it's it can feel like it's a, a waste of resources. Um, and so that's why I think if you're balanced with it, mm-hmm. you know, take a risk on some but also make sure you have some veteran tried and tested guys. I think we do need a better process for preparing, you know, our missionaries before they get to the field. So that's, that's another conversation.
2: If I understand you correctly, you're looking at investing, to, to use my word, almost like a, um, a, a venture capitalist would, where you're, you're taking your seed money and spreading around a lot of places and hoping that one of it hits. I view it more like Jesus and the apostles. He spent time, he, he loved everybody, was compassionate to everybody, preached to everybody. But who did he invest himself in? Twelve men. And even one of those went bad.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: he poured his life in investing and, and he made that circle really restricted. That's what I view that like. I but I, I
0: don't know, and, and this is just me, I don't know if if that application is fair for missions. Why? Well, because frankly, I don't know that I view and this is not what you were saying <laughs> someone's going to say it's what you were saying but you know missionaries are not my disciples
2: yeah no i understand that but the point the point is not that they're my disciples the point is that that if you're going to pour into somebody's life mm-hmm. all right paul said let, let's let, let's go to a different context paul said to timothy the same commit out of faithful men who shall be able to teach others also to me i'm just applying that i want to really make sure these are faithful men who are who are effective, who are able, who are balanced, who are mature in their doctrine of good families. I want to feel really comfortable with that. Who are then going to replicate replicate churches for the cause of Christ? It's not throw something on a wall. And I'm not saying this is what you're saying. Any of you are saying, right? Is not throw something on a wall and see what it sticks. It's it's let's let's be very very judicious. And and this is how I approach my whole life. So when I was looking for a church, which I write about next, I did not just apply to every single church came across my path. <clears throat> I did all kinds of work. Yes, there you go. I did all kinds of work pre- uh, ahead of time to to decide whether that church was worth being part of my consideration or not. And public committee did the same thing with me in return. Um, I was ruled out by by obviously very many of them. And so, it, to me, it's that sort of thing. It's such a yeah. it's such a close relationship with me, and such a big deal with me. I'm not just gonna.
1: So I, will, yeah, you know, I, I believe I think it's a that- matter of. It, it's not a matter of just. You know, flippantly throwing it out there. I don't right. think that's the right. The opposite. And that's not a fair. That's not a fair opposite side of the coin, right? Um, but when I talk about risk, I'm I'm talking about maybe, you know, when you, there's more potential than there is proven character, and so, you know, it, you I would always completely vet the missionary. And when we have missionaries come in, I give them we we have them here for a whole weekend, so our church gets to know them over a Friday. A Saturday, a Sunday, um, and you know I look for references and and everything I can. But I think sometimes when you know someone's got to be the first missionary or the first church to support a missionary. So, you know, again, they need to be trustworthy. But I think mm-hmm. at some point someone's got to give them a chance. Oh, and yeah, to Tom's you know, credit. To, go ahead. Go, I'm gonna Steve. Go ahead, and then I'll.
3: I was just going to say, you know, being in Springfield, Missouri, this is where BBFI is. And that was a huge, is a huge missions movement or was. And then I have a lot of friends and we support some missionaries with global independent Baptist missions, which you could say was a split or whatever. But I mean, that's historically how it goes. And I know in that movement and then those churches, there is very much an intentional Missionaries, I think, have to do a two-year missionary internship in a local church. It's not just read right out of Bible college. You know, there, there there needs to be some, and I think sending pastors should certainly have that heartbeat that guys don't just go out. You know, I know if a young man's called to preach in our church just to be a preacher, he's got to at least intern at our church for one summer. Even though he has a Bible college degree, I want us to have some influence on him and You know, the experience that that men get is important.
1: Well, I would kind of push back a little bit because Mm -hmm. in in terms of there ever being a really safe option, because I remember in England once, you know, it it kind of got round the churches that uh, a missionary was coming into the country and he was going to come in. He was going to show us how to do it right. I mean, this guy, Mm. from a British perspective, he looked like a used car salesman. I mean, he had all the spit and polish and just, you know, and and the rumors going around were his sent in church, which was a big respected church. And they were saying, you know, finally, there's going to be someone to do that, you know, get there and do it right. He had all the credentials. He had all the background. He lasted about six months. And when he left the country, he That's didn't sad. even tell anyone. He He said he was going on a furlough. He oh, wow. came back here to the States. Um, now this was a former pastor. This was an older man with a, you know, family kids in their teens. So he's proven he's known by people, everybody loved him. And then the family who were meant to be working with him, another missionary couple, they noticed one day on Facebook that he bought a puppy and they were like, that kind of seems like a permanent thing to be doing. And he was like, Oh yeah, by the way, I'm, I'm actually not coming back. So there's, there's always a degree of risk. And, um, Terrific. You know, so I, I don't know. We're, we're kind of going into this. Well, I don't know if we want to. That's take what I was going
0: to try to. I was going to try to bring this together in a way. In that, to Tom's credit, it sounds like you want to be very close to the missionaries that you support. Maybe more so than the average pastor by far. In that respect, I can see how you would. It would be more of a risk for you if you were forming with your church members this really strong relationship. Um, that if they were to fail, that could damage your church. Almost like if an assistant pastor or a pastor were to fail. It's not that, just fail; it's shift. Okay, fair enough. That being said, though, I don't think the issue. I think I think there's a little bit of truth to what Martin's saying in the sense that there is always a risk, and that some kid. Okay, you're going to tell a young man. So I'm I'm young and in my um, in my 30s, but I started pastoring at 20 25 ish. Um, 30 ish, 33. Uh I started I to 24. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. That and and you know, <laughs> if you tell a young guy like that, and, and probably Tom, you had this. I I think I did as well. You know, people say, Oh no, you need to go do this. And at a certain point you go, I think I'm gonna do what God's called me to do. Sure. But but at the same point, again, coming back to you, I think that you you did not say or did not intend to communicate that everyone should do it the way that you do it. I think you have a specific vision for missions in your mm-hmm. church and that that's why you're careful.
2: Yes. But I also don't want to leave leave the wrong implication because I do think that pastors and missionaries need to have closer relationships. Oh yeah. Uh, ben Sinclair's okay. written a really good book about that recently. I believed it before I read the book, but that book verbalizes mm-hmm. it very, very well. Um, yeah. And I think it's a weakness. Um, What's that, the name of the book? The needs improved missionary partnership. Okay. It's on the shelf. And, and
1: I head. wholeheartedly agree that pastors should be close to their missionaries. And I mean, I, we deliberately are going to max out at, unless our church grows, um, it, you know, much more than it does now, you know, we're going to max out maybe at 12 missionaries, 10 perhaps, but we'll support fewer at a much higher amount right, right. And, and make sure that we really know them mm-hmm. individually. Do you guys think that's the answer?
2: I think it's part of it. Um, I, I And I want to come back and revisit that maybe with a guest, uh, okay. perhaps, but... But yes, I do think because if you're, if you're having, you know, we support, what did we give to missions last year? $80,000. We support 34, 35 missionaries. Um, we support them more than when, we, when I got here. But still, I think in April, we'll raise them to $125 a month. So not very much. But if you took that same $80,000 and you split it up, and I'm not going to do this. So in case my missionaries are listening, I don't think it's ethical to drop any of them. So I'm not going to do that. But if you took that same $80,000 and split it up amongst 10 guys, that's $8,000 a year. Um, eight guys is $10,000 a year, how much more focus and time and attention you could give them, how much mm-hmm. easier it would be for your church people to keep track of where they're at in their ministry, what's going on, where their burdens are, what their struggles are, what their vision is, what their heartbeat is, um, I, I do. how much easier their deputation would be when they come back because they're not bouncing around to 40 or 50 churches, um, how much more time they could spend with yeah. each individual church. I mean, I, I think there's mm-hmm. a tremendous number of benefits to that.
3: Yeah, that well, and, takes a lot of time and a lot of work, though. And I, I'm working toward that. It's so difficult, though, because you see guys wanting to get the field that are good guys. I know, I know. And then yeah. if you add them, you know, it just I know. Yeah, it can, it 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 takes so, work. Th-
0: that's also part of being because we're independent. In that sense, there everyone's going to do it slightly different. Um, and and we I'm reserving comment because I think we need to deal with feedback and not get into yeah too much on this because our goal is to have a missionary on and to talk about these things. And I think this actually helps right. us. Mm-hmm. Right. Before we go on to our topic, I do want to say some some of the feedback we're getting on Facebook is really cool. Um, one guy here says, I'm trying to find it again. I think it's Adam Miller who said it. He said, the lightning round came at just the right time, good the the right amount of humor and spirituality. Yeah, that was him. So, uh, came right at the end of the week there. And uh, we've got people who really agree with Tom's position on missions because they appreciate the fact that he wants to be close with his missionaries. That's great. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff in here. We can't get to every single one and and we are reserving a little bit of the conversation on missions for a later time. And so forgive us if we don't answer your questions. Um, completely today. So we want to move to a topic today that it, I guess is kind of a broad topic. It's maybe a little bit abstract, but but it's it's not in the sense that I think it's going to be very easy for us to talk about. And that is this, that it ought to be with our, as it, as it relates to churches, okay, pastors, members, everybody, this is not just talking to pastors now, uh, this is talking to everybody as it relates to our ministries, and and weekend, week out, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, or whenever you have your midweek thing. Um, you know, it ought to be, it ought to be joyful. It ought to be a fun, if I could use that word, experience to serve the Lord together. You know, the Bible says we are striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's in Philippians, and it's interesting that the the theme of Philippians is joy, right? And so and we then, all served together, and we, this kind of came about because we were talking about what we wanted to do, discuss on the live, and we thought, well, why don't we spin off of our weekend reports and talk a little bit about what it's like to serve the Lord in the local church together with your people, with the people that God's entrusted to you, and how we can serve God effectively as a unit in the church. Steve, you had some really, really great and positive things happen, and you already mentioned it was you and your church, and you loved it. Yes. And
3: like I said, I bring back that theme. In fact, I feel like changing our church theme this year. Do we get to do this together? And really as a couple, you know, and husband and wife, and we've brought this up. I forgot which episode about the fact that the the local church and the home are not at odds with one another Mm -hmm. and you get Mm -hmm. to serve and and do things together as a church. Mm -hmm. And it, it is awesome. Um, and it really does have a lot to do with the attitude and the spirit. Um, and it, it, it helps to have that in place because then when you serve, it just becomes fun. And I think, I think there's a protection in it too, because Mm -hmm. when you're serving and you're looking out, you're not focused in, you're not thinking, what are my problems? What are this? It's that we get to, you know, one of the comments we had back from our retreat was, Someone said we came here for the first time eight years ago on the verge of divorce. And mm. God used this to stop that. And every year we just keep growing and growing and growing. And Amen. I told our church, we get to You got to have part in that. And, Amen. you know, we're ministering, serving to these people. We're physically exhausted by the end of it, but that that's awesome. That's I, I think that's a display of faith is when we're physically exhausted because we followed God. Um, You know, I think sometimes we get overly spiritual and we think, you know, if I'm exhausted, I wasn't trusting the Lord baloney. The Bible says labor striving according to his might, which worketh in me mightily spiritually. It's his responsibility. Physically, it's ours.
0: Amen. I like that, man. I wish you hadn't said that live. I want to steal it and use it as my own (laughs) plagiarize it. Well, you know, what would you say then to the maybe we can just start here? I don't know. What would you say to the pastor or church member right now who's saying, yeah, but I don't, I don't enjoy it. Um, I don't enjoy the, the aspect of serving at my church right now. It's hard. It's difficult. um, And, and I, I'm having a hard time with joy. I mean, how do, how do you get that back? Because, you know, there've been times where I've really enjoyed it. There've been times where I've, I've really not enjoyed it. And to the degree (laughs) that my spirit hasn't been right, I'm trying to say that carefully so that nobody feels bad, you know, like, like they're the problem. I'm the problem. Because my spirit's not right. What, what are some things we can do, whether as pastors or church members, to pursue the joy that comes by serving the Lord together in ministry?
2: I think you asked the question wrong. You don't get the joy. I by knew you were going to correct joy. me, jerk. You, <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't get the joy by pursuing the joy. Yeah, there you go. That's, I knew when I said it, that, actually. I was that's, like, that's oh, that's not with, the right way to say it. You get the joy as a byproduct um, yeah. of forgetting yourself yeah. and living for someone else. So joy yeah, and, is found in obedience.
3: And the whole the forgetting yourself to me is the key to that, because I tell you, there's been times where I've been down and, and I I'm more of a melancholy personality when it really gets down to it. I can find the negative in everything. And I have some good friends that help me focus on the positive. But I can sometimes get so wrapped up as a pastor on who's not here, who's serving us, with Steve? the wrong attitude,
0: what they're doing wrong. What'd you say? Are, are we your friends that help you focus on the positive? <laughs> sure. We'll
3: go with that.
2: <laughs> <Sure>. The <laughs> <Anyways>. hesitation
3: <laughs> said it all. I don't want to lie, but no. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, um, you know, you can really hmm. do that. And to me, one of the keys is, and this is something we miss in our churches, and we misunderstand the biblical principle, and that is you, you got to really stay in your lane and stay focused on God because we do have gifts differing. And if you're, if you're listening and you're frustrated in your church that people aren't like you, you're missing so much of what you could do. Get in and show mercy, get in and, you know, be an administrator, help organize things. If that's your gift, don't get mad that other people don't have that gift because I think part of the joy is everyone is serving together. And I'll tell you in the past, we, In our couples ministry, we've kind of almost been compartmentalized. We talked about this a little bit and everyone, but this year it was like, there was this unity. Mm -hmm. Everyone did the things they were supposed to do. And it's just a great spirit understanding. Not everyone can do what everyone else can do
0: and let's work together. So recognize there are seasons, right? (laughs) There are going to be some, Mm -hmm. sometimes that it is just, you anticipate the things that you I, I feel like right now we have that in our church to a very <laughs> strong degree that people come expecting a good experience. That is that is of the grace of God because our church is going to be 50 years old this year. Our church is older than me. And that's uh you don't you know over 50 years you go through seasons like that. You go through seasons mm-hmm. where it's it's a little bit more down. You know, the, the momentum is maybe not there and and the the spirit is not quite as enthused or fervent. But stay with it, stay faithful, be a good steward of that. The other thing that we could consider in this, and this maybe falls more on the shoulders of pastors and lay leadership, is that organization can really create a positive experience in serving the Lord. Jesus organized the groups by 50s and 100s, even though he was going to miraculously feed them, he organized them by 50s and 100s so that the process and flow of it was an experience where, A, it was fulfilling, I believe, two- it was so the people that were working with them, those disciples, could see the working of God on the face of individuals. that's I, I think that that's what it was. I should say, I think that's an opinion. But what that allows organization, Tom, you said this, there is little joy in anarchy. And sometimes we think that we should just be able to go and, oh man, why why is this spirit so whatever in our church? And I just wish people were sometimes as pastor, we do that. I just wish people were more cooperative. Well, maybe they wish you were more organized.
1: (laughs) Seriously. I think that's got a lot to do with how much you enjoy ministry. And um, I can't believe you saw Tom's line line there. And Tom had a great line and you stole it. That's. But anyway, I'm used to it. I'm used to it. (laughs) I gave him credit. I did not plagiarize his line at all. It's
2: Jesus that gets the credit, not me.
1: That's right. Yeah. Well, I would say that um, sometimes if you're not enjoying ministry, you know, worst case scenario, you're near burnout. I need to find a way to take a break. You need to get away from it. You need to simplify your ministry somehow. So you have time to be able to recoup, get refreshed and then go back to it. And I think sometimes if you're not organized enough, and and so ministry is constant pressure. And so I think if you can, you know, make some deliberate choices to either simplify or get better organized, then it becomes more enjoyable. And I'm not sure I'd like the word fun but they may be because i'm just a very stoic englishman um but i think it should be you know very often enjoyable uh even and even for
2: englishmen even englishmen have emotions and emotions are contagious
3: yeah
1: um, yes you,
2: you know you, you come to church depressed and you depress the people around you you come in with a with a you know spring in your step and a shout in your lip and Shout in your voice, and and that's contagious. And I think mm-hmm. that's a great point, Pastor Wickens, About if the if you as a pastor, or let's take you know like a bus captain, or a Sunday school teacher, or a you know a nursery director, or anybody, if if you love what you do, and you love to serve the Lord that way, that comes through. People see that, and they they. I don't mean this on, you know unbalanced, but they feed off that, or they build off that, or it's it's a contagious thing. That's a great point.
3: Yeah. And the organization part is very key. Um, we had some new people serving with us this year. And honestly, when we were in the throes of the most intense parts of what we were doing, it felt almost effortless. And forgive me for saying that, Martin, it was felt fun because the proper preparation work and organization allows it where it's like, you know, it does you know, it does feel effortless, and there, there, there is a frustration, and I have faced this my whole ministry because I can procrastinate at procrastinating. I mean, I, I, I'm addicted to adrenaline in the sense that I really function way better when I know I can still get it done. But I've, you know, I, I just, I do, and I know this from experience that if you put things off as a pastor, there's then a pressure to not involve people because you feel bad. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. ask them last time minute. And most people don't even want to do that then. And then, right. you know, the pressure when someone's asked something last minute yeah. and probably mm-hmm. the, the biggest frustration in, in, in ministry for me has been when I am prepared, when I have delegated something and then at the last minute, someone just doesn't push through and follow through on something they've committed to do. And you know, let me encourage people in churches that if that's the case, you've got to push through, you've got to make it happen. And we just had that at our event. We had a few things come up. I think it was actually with some things another church was helping us with, and they really had an opportunity to not do it, but yeah. they didn't. They pushed through. And and that is so important rather than, you know,
0: at the last minute, I, I just can't do that. That's very yeah. challenging to me. Steve, because I I actually, I did this to our assistant pastor, our youth pastor Saturday night. Um, It dawned on me that I had not, I had not done something that, or I had not communicated to him something that both he or I could have done. And I text him and I, I, I'm always so hesitant. If I hadn't, if I didn't really need it done, I would have just let it go and it wouldn't have gotten done. I really needed it done. So I texted him and said, would you be able to do this? I am so,
1: so sorry.
0: (laughs) Procrastination will hurt your spirit if you allow
1: it to dominate yeah i think different personality types as well can you know it's just, it's okay to have different types of personalities i know i'm a big picture guy and i'm like man it would be mm-hmm. awesome if we could do this now i'm blessed that there's uh, there are couples in the church there are, we have amazing people here at, at, at the church and there's one of the ladies in particular so often she'll take a big idea that i have and then she fills in all the details and you know, does an amazing job, but I need to be aware of my my lack of detailed thinking when it comes mm-hmm. to that so that she doesn't feel undue pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's something which, you know, yes, my personality may lean towards one way, but I need to make sure that that's not making it difficult for other people.
0: Right. Well, what you end up doing is you end up discouraging people from serving when mm-hmm. you're not when, mm-hmm. when all you do is think of big picture stuff, and then mm-hmm. there are people who are facilitators and you have to find those people and pray that God revealed to you who they are in a sense. But once you have them, use them mm-hmm. and allow them to be successful, allow them to reap the, the blessing, even the emotional blessing of a fulfillment, like a win, you know, get the victory on something that was a great day and, and praise your volunteers, praise your, praise your staff, all that kind of thing.
2: Mm-hmm. I think sometimes yeah. we, we put people or allow people to be in positions of service that don't fit them. And then we preach don't quit. And so they don't quit and they continue out of character and they're just frustrated because mm-hmm. it's not. Mm-hmm. what You know, we have a wonderful man here at our church who's who takes care of. We have two buses and a van and a plow truck, and mm-hmm. he spends all kinds of time like he he just brought our new newest bus. just got on the road last week, and he painted that by hand over the course of the last several months. And he puts in. A, an incredible amount of work. But if we ask him to run the PA, the you know the the sound system or you know the the media part, he would just be so frustrated. And if I mm-hmm. asked the media guy to go be the bus mechanic, that would not go well either. They, they, there's understanding that people fit in certain spots and trying to help them I've said a lot of times in, in in dealing with people, I don't want you to feel chained to your service for the Lord. I don't want you to feel like you're mm-hmm. dragging it around with you, like Marley's, you know, like all, you know, and Scrooge and Marley's Ghost and all that. I want you to feel liberty. I want you to feel joy in serving Jesus. So is this how you want to serve him? How can I help you serve him in a way you want to serve him? And yeah. There's still seasons of suffering in that and, and, and difficulty in that and faithfulness in that. But largely, if you can, God made me to pastor. I know that. Uh, he didn't make me to, to you know, be a, a missionary aviation pilot in, in South America. If I was, I'd be miserable.
1: And I think, that's yeah, an, you know, a positive... so, something.
3: Go ahead. No, you go ahead, Steve. I was going to say something I've learned through time is that when you're having an event and I'm not even just talking, you know, a massive one. But when you're in ministry, like even on a Sunday itself, it's just best to serve and enjoy and just it's not the time for suggestions. It's not the time to try to make something better. And I'm learning that because I want to know why things failed, why this was missed. Mm-hmm. And in the process of that, it's just good to make a note. Tushy, we carry phones around. It's just good to make a note and not always trying to make something better in the heat of the moment or to correct something in the heat of the moment, but just enjoy and realize there's going to be bumps. And when we delegate stuff, it's going to be done. What is it? Is it a 90 or 80% rule that they say that if someone can do something 80% as well as you can do it, it's worth giving it to them. And I'm growing through that because my procrastination is part of my OCD and my perfectionism. It's like, I want it to be best. And, and that's why my wife compliments me so well, because she's like, she'll just Get it start start it before I even finish thinking it through. And I'm thinking about all the aspects and all of that. But I have this statement. I was teaching my church a little bit on on just what we are as a church. And I said this: don't try to make everything better, but don't be afraid to make a suggestion that might not work. Now, let me explain that. And what I told my church is listen, sometimes you can you you can just pick something apart and just be the person that suggests everything. Mm -hmm. But I told my church, I want suggestions to make things better. Just be ready for it. Maybe not to work, but, you know, plow forward. And and we've learned lessons through time in our couples ministry. We've tried to make certain aspects better and we get so frustrated. And finally, God just taught me, you know, it's as good as it's going to get L- live with some,
0: you know, some imperfections so what you're what you're discussing right now, Steve, requires something that everyone needs to understand is one word it requires relationship yeah, and that's that is vital so as you were talking, I'm thinking of it from both sides of the coin. you said something that I think is helpful for the church members uh, of good churches who are listening right now to hear that and I, th- I think maybe I'm, I'm maybe putting my own spin on what you said, like putting my own words into it a little bit. So if it ends up different, you just correct me, but we want people to come to us to bring suggestions, to bring those things. But pastors are funny people. Um, you know, it shouldn't be, Hey pastor, um, you know what? The toilet overflowed right before church. Uh, maybe you should get someone to take care of that <laughs> on the same hand. So, so last time I did that, I said, Oh, I said, man, that's not good. I said, would you mind talking to Brother So and So about that real quick? I saw I'm about to go to the pulpit, and they went, "Oh, oh yeah, you know." And and I understand that happens on the other side of it. Pastors, we got to be more approachable because sometimes people want to come to us, and and we put our, we put our walls up because we've always we've all had that one or multiple <laughs> church members who, when they come to you with a suggestion, it's actually a criticism, or we're we're so thin skinned we feel like every suggestion is a criticism, and so there's room for relationship and grace on both sides of that coin and i think we all need to just kind of maybe process that thought a little bit and it'll help us serve in our
2: ministries one with another relationships are life is a matter of relationships mm-hmm. and i don't know there's anybody i'm closer to that i see more often that i love more that i enjoy more mm-hmm. than my church right. and there's something about serving together that builds those close relationships The Bible says that we're in a spiritual war. The Bible calls us soldiers. And it's interesting when you when you read about that and and study about it, how close of a relationship those soldiers build in combat. Mm -hmm. You know, they serve together for six months or nine months or a year, and then they go to reunions every year for the rest of their life. They they feel that sense of kinship and closeness. And when you when you go to war, I mean this in a good way, when you go to war as a church together, I think of our VBS last year when we had, I don't know, 50 or 60 people, workers that that just came together in all different ways to put on VBS. And that sense of comradeship, that we've done something, that we've done it together, and we're doing it for the Lord, and that just builds such close relationships. And then there's such joy
1: there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
2: I've I think seen that in relationships,
1: many. Go ahead. I think when you have the good relationships with the people in the church that you're with, it's also necessary to be aware of what God has gifted your church to do. Because Mm -hmm. not every church has the same uh, kind of collected gifts to maybe excel in youth ministry or to excel in outreach or to excel so you you kind of utilize what God has brought together. And I think this is where church is not trying to be a carbon copy of another one or simply reading a book and saying, you know, here's the ABCs to be in a successful church, you know, here's an idea and you just run with it. I think you need to look at what is, you know, particular about your own fellowship. And and that's going to add to the joy in ministry because there are things that you all do that maybe here, it would feel very much a burden um, because we don't have the same collected giftings. Well, yeah, and that's, that. that's something that,
0: that. What's, what's that? I said, businesses do that. I mean, I guess, mm-hmm. I'm assuming you guys would have all heard of SWOT analysis, right? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. and the, the goal is not to always correct your weaknesses. The goal is to play to your strengths in business. And sometimes churches would do well to understand that, you know, and pastors um, kind of struggle with this mentally. I think that oh, if we provided this, you know, this program or this, whatever, we'd keep more people. Well, yeah. Okay. Maybe there's some truth to that. It's awfully pragmatic, but there is some truth to it in the sense that some churches keep people because they have the programs you don't, but Mm -hmm. you got to realize that there is no perfect church and and pastors have to realize that church members have to realize that um, and develop a local church mentality. That is, is I, the word loyalty is going to come out of my mouth, but a loyalty to the to your church in the sense that is good and right.
1: Can we pick up on a question that um, Josh asked? He said about, can you elaborate on what a pastor should do when you have no one to volunteer? Um, I think that's maybe <laughs> worth considering. And, and it's a it's a church growth question. It's even a church plant question. Um, but I know I've been in that situation where mm. if, if you don't do it, it doesn't get done so i don't know tom i know you've been in a situation in a kind of a small church environment i mean what what would you say to that and actually this question came up with someone who said you pastored his grandparents in charles city oh i did who said that no not you tom they didn't pastor in charles no city. i i
3: pastored okay. in charles city brother did. Oh, brother oh yeah i, I was actually gonna, Sorry, gonna yeah i was actually I was gonna like, comment on my ministry in charles city because Six people voted to call me as pastor and the youngest one was 62. So, and honestly, within three years, we had about 50 kids every Wednesday in our Wednesday night kids program. And what what I did in a little small church and older people is I just had a heart that we would reach kids and I got the people involved to the extent they could get involved and then just really one-on-one involving people in ministry and setting the vision of, you know, and and one thing I was going to say earlier, and it does kind of fit into this, I think it's good for churches to have a cause and a vision, yes, for the evangelism of the lost around them. That's the primary vision a church gets together. But I've seen churches that have Bible printing ministries. They have (laughs) um, nursing home ministries, jail ministries, um, addictions programs, bus ministries. Not every church should probably have every one of those ministries and and young pastors can get frustrated sometimes because they're yep. trying to do nursing yep. home ministry, you know, cause they did that and they did that. Yep. And you got to know what you got, but find something like that to do together as a church, our couples ministry functions that way for us. It's not all we do. You know, we still are evangelizing the lost, but it's a great point of togetherness and serving. And I would say to a young guy that doesn't have a lot of people to pastor, and I'm trying. I wish I knew who your grandparents were, um, Josh. Anyways, I, I can't figure it out right now. Let me know. Um, but uh, um, but it, it's it's getting people involved and in giving the vision.
0: Yeah, if I could say maybe just as a practical point to Josh, find an area that doesn't have a cap on it and go for it. Steve, you said that. You said we we focused on an area of trying to bring youth in, bring kids in, and then you find that. Their parents and grandparents often are good volunteers because they're very invested in the ministry that is blessing their homes. Um, but find an area like and, and really, really evaluate where you can cut back and where you can excel. Uh, sometimes we, we grind and when we don't know what to do, we think, well, I'm just going to stay faithful and I'm going to grind on this thing and I'm going I'm to stay faithful. There's nothing wrong with that philosophy, but I think you ought to have an open mind to say uh, and, and have some non-negotiables, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But say, I'm going to focus on this aspect and play to your strengths, like we talked
2: about. I think some of it is, especially in a small church environment. And when I started my first Sunday, we had eight people, 11 people. A year later, we had eight. So um, is you try to build on what people will give you. Um, if what the guy will give you is he'll help mow the grass once a month, then you build off that. Mm -hmm. Um, and you love him for it. You don't resent him for the fact that he won't do this or that or the other. You build off what he'll give you and you love him for it. And people respond to that over time. And then as you add new people, you teach and you emphasize that everybody needs to have some area of service. And, and you work real hard to help them find the area of service within the confines of your church's culture and size that where they can serve. And um, it's a gradual, painstaking, putting one block in at a time, waiting for the mortar to harden, putting another block in, you know, it's a, but over time, if you're patient and dealing with people and you love them where they're at and you try to lead them onto, onto the next thing and help them to enjoy the service for the Lord, you look back over five years and it's astounding how far your church will have come. Right.
1: Taking that long view is very important. And, and even in the short term making some hard choices and I, I'm, I may catch some uh, criticism for this, but, you know, if you can't do Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday, youth group, outreach, if you can't do all of that well, well, then cut something back. And even if it's, you know, for a time, you just have Sunday morning, you know, and then you make Sunday morning a hundred percent. And then, you know, if that frees up your time to do outreach to youth, to put on something for the children um, and focus your efforts there, then I think that's a good thing to do. Now, I, I love having Sunday morning, Sunday evening. So if you, you know, if, if you're not happy with me saying that, then, you know, let Steven Russ know, but no, I think no, no, no. <laughs> focus, on, focus on what you can do well and then build on that later. Like Tom was saying, right. and, you know, don't always feel that a retreat is a a negative thing. You know, we, mm-hmm. we talk about a strategic retreat and it may be for a time you do less and in the future, that's going to let you do more.
0: And yeah. where that would be a good, really good application, I think, um, because I, th- I think you're right, Martin, is in like a church restart or a replant mm-hmm. or a revitalization. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. To because I don't know Josh's situation at all, but there may be a case in where, you know, Steve, you mentioned that the youngest person out of six was 60 in their 60s it may be that that you're part of a church that would that would just absolutely revile at that thought like whoa how could you ever how could you ever suggest that you know um so you'll have to work through that unique to your church but the mm-hmm. advice is still sound that you have to do what you can do and and then develop people along the way and that's listen we're saying that like it's like it's easy none of us no, none of us feel good at that part of it and mm-hmm. um yeah, I really appreciate the question because it just <laughs> yeah, it's it's and real Josh, life.
3: you mentioned who your grandparents were. I know them very well, and actually a lot of your cousins and aunts and uncles and stuff they were they were a big part of our church. Your cousins and I guess I never got a chance to. I do recognize your your last name the more I think about it now, but that's, I, I have such good memories of Charles City and. You know, I'm not saying everyone should do it, but part of it was I just killed myself physically, my wife. I used to drive the bus to pick the kids up on Wednesday, run the game time at 630 to like seven and then seven to 730. They had their handbook time. I taught Mm -hmm. Bible study, the adults, and then the adults would pray without me. And then I'd teach the, the kid, preach to the kids put them up on the bus and then drive them home and did all that. And Mm -hmm. it was awesome. I was young and strong enough to do it. I can still do it now. I'm still in my (laughs) forties. How long are you in your (laughs)
2: forties? It's kids. Uh, About three months, I think. Two (laughs) more months. The the clock is ticking
3: closer every day. Clarence Sexton
2: said something one time that really helped me. He said, you don't do ministry because you want to do ministry. He said, you do ministry because you have people that need to do ministry. Mm. And it's not about, okay, I want to start a rescue mission. I want to start a food pantry. I want to start an outreach to the local universities. It's, I have someone in my church who needs to serve the Lord. How can I help them to serve the Lord? Yeah. And mm-hmm. sometimes you pray in people because you have a burden for ministry and you pray in laborers. That's that Jesus mm-hmm. gave that request, pray for the Lord of their harvest. He will send forth laborers into his harvest. But I think it goes back to, and this goes back to what you said, Pastor Wiggins, about understanding where your church is at, um, and not trying to copy someone else's it's, I have this brother in my church who's a teacher and he has potential to teach. He's not ready for a Sunday school class yet. As weird as that sounds, he's a public school teacher, but how can I give him an opportunity to speak to others with the word of God? Oh, here's the jail ministry. We go in twice a year on Sunday nights. He, he will fit well with that. It's not a, it's not a, a a long-term commitment, but it's an opportunity for him to get up in front of other people and teach Mm -hmm. the word of God. And it builds him. It grows him and that's where ministries come from
1: i think to be fair to the larger churches as well you know if you've got 13 people or 30 people then you may look around and think you know who am i going to get to do the work but if you've got 300 people or 200 people then the question becomes how do i make sure i have the right people to do the work and you know see your church continue and to continue strong or to grow to the next level it's not just a matter of having you know, enough volunteers, but having the right volunteers. And so the struggle is always there. It just kind of changes. John Jupp
0: on Facebook left a comment to that, to that, to the question from Josh. He said, asking your people what their vision is for the church is a great help as well, because some people have never stopped to think about what God wants to do in their church. And that is a point we hadn't brought up yet. And I, as from what I can tell, and I know John, John's done a fantastic job with vision casting in his church. Mm-hmm. And and it makes makes it so personal when you say, so how do you see our church going forward? Because it's hard to deny that God wants his church to go forward. Some people are set in their ways. Some people are are stuck. Some people are content, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and those are the kind of questions that may start the wheels turning a little bit. Now, guys, we had a great conversation. I, I thought maybe we would tell our um, Facebook audience and those who would listen later on, um, a little bit of what we have planned in the future by way of episodes, uh, we're planning on putting out an episode soon that that is going to correlate well with this one, and the title of it is just "Your Pastor and You." And it it's it was a really fascinating conversation and uh, some good thoughts there. Uh, we're going to do part two of church abuse. We started that last year, uh, in last season rather, so last year, and we're going to do a second part to that. And I believe that'll be a help to some people. And then. Uh, we have an episode on preaching that's coming out really soon that I cannot wait for. I really enjoyed talking to you guys about this, and uh, and I hope that our our um, our listeners will enjoy it as well. Any final thoughts before we close it down for the day? I want to just throw something finally, and that
3: is, you know, our heartbeat in this episode is about the joy of serving together as a church, and we entered into a discussion of serving and issues and problems. It's just... To me, it's so awesome to talk about those things because we're serving the God of all this universe. And, you know, it's about bringing honor and glory to him. And all of us in our churches, all of us preachers, we have season tickets to the local church if we're members and we, we get to go and sit and learn and grow and then serve and see people reached. And it is awesome. And if it's not awesome, boy, seek God's face get some counsel with your pastor, find mm-hmm. where you should be serving. And if you're in a ministry, um, have a heart to heart. If you're burned out and and struggling, because it, it needs to be filled with joy. Now that doesn't mean it's always fun and easy. It's exhausting and no one's around and you're not thankful, but it's, it's, it's great serving the Lord. I love it. Amen. Just had, Amen. had to get that in there. It's great.
2: I think, okay. I think it's Psalm 16. I don't have my Bible was on the shelf over here. Psalm 16 talks about that joy comes when we're in the presence of the Lord. And when I fall in love with Jesus, and I have to do that every day uh, all over again, when I fall in love with Jesus and I'm what I'm doing is I'm serving him with whatever it is. If I'm soul winning, if I'm writing a letter, if I'm counseling, if I'm, you know, just serving somebody, if if I'm presenting that to Jesus and I'm saying I love you to him with it, not to be not to be weird with it, but if if I'm connecting with God in this thing. And there is joy in my heart, and that joy is contagious. When you have that same spirit Mm. that you love the Lord and you're serving the Lord, and we're doing this together, it multiplies that joy. It becomes such a
1: precious, precious thing. Amen.
0: Martin, anything from you before we close her down?
1: I'll just add an amen to what they've said. And uh, you know we've got a lot of great feedback. There's several questions came through there towards the end that we'd love to deal with, but I know we've got a we got to wrap it up, but um, we'll try yeah. and save those questions or return to them at a later date. But I really Absolutely. appreciate everyone engaging with us and listening and yes. sharing. Uh, it's, it's a privilege to be a part of this podcast and have a part of the lives of the people who, who Amen. listen. Amen. Amen.
0: We Amen. want to say thank you again to all of our listeners, those who have viewed the day, left comments. And we appreciate each and every one of you and are grateful that you've listened to the Dear Church podcast today.